I don't know. I could probably get away with not even preaching after that. I, it's funny how you come to church and, and uh, you come in bogged down with a bunch of problems that you think are big. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit's just like, hey, I got it. It's okay. It's okay. Can I give you a bit of instruction today? I, I, I want to treat this like family. And so as family, just give me a bit more on the mic, please. As family, you know what? what I, I think that we can be fairly direct as family because we all share this common bond of the love of Christ. And we share this common bond of our venue code, which I'm going to be talking about today. The reason that we came here three and a half years ago to start Venue Church. Um, a life saved is worth everything. And I'm up there singing as if it's my life. Oh my goodness, church people, because it was. One life saved is worth everything. And it was worth everything to Jesus and it's worth everything to us. And because we come together with this common bond, we can actually be very direct with each other because we want the best for each other. And, and I know that in Christ, there's something that he wants me to speak to you this morning, uh, just before I even get into the sermon. It's instruction that I gave to my wife and my own daughters, and I would love to pass it to you. So just give me a little bit of leeway. If I got to talk you into it, we'll be here all day on the long weekend. I, I preach for four hours if I got to take time to... Here's some instruction I felt from the Holy Spirit. Um, let's not glorify in the world today what the devil is doing. There's sickness. There's racism. There's all these things going on in your life. You're fighting with addiction. You're fighting with marital struggles right now. There's just things that we're struggling with. Let's not glorify what the devil is doing. Let's look at what Jesus is doing because that's how we fix what the devil is doing. And so, so here's, here's what I told my wife a week or two into the pandemic. I'm like, turn the news off. Just turn it off. Turn the social feeds off because here's what the world needs right now. Look, because you're going to make the mistake of thinking that you can fix it, but you can't. Only God can fix the world's problems. Only Jesus can fix them. Only the Holy Spirit can do what the Holy Spirit can do. And you and I, what, what's happening is we're so uh, distracted with the fear and the outrage and the drama that now all of a sudden we're trying to fix it. You can't fix government. You can't fix a pandemic. You can't fix any of these things. Here's, here's, here's what we need to do, Christ followers. Now, if, you, if you're in church for the first time or you're not sure about God or Jesus, like... This is kind of an internal little thing that I'm just giving some direction here because I'm the pastor and people have to listen to me. What I want to say is, listen, before you go to your feeds, go to your knees. Before you go to your social feeds, go to your knees and find out what God wants to do. And, and I would, I mean, because you've had all this spare time, I assume that your prayer life has gone through the roof in the last four months. Right? But we're spending all these, if God's voice is just one of a thousand voices in your head, no wonder you're afraid and confused and don't know what to do next. Go to your knees before you go to your feeds and then have something from the Holy Spirit to say to people, not just something from you. We, we've been talking that if you try to fix the world's problems with human thinking, it's a huge trap because human thinking is the world's problems. I'm not... Thanks for, uh, for listening. You know what? When we come into to venue church sometimes, we come in with this blueprint that's not working, that's building us a building that we don't even want to live in. And God's like, here's a blueprint exchange for you. We've been talking about the blueprint of venue church the, the last week, and I have another one coming up in a few weeks here. We're talking about why we created venue church, some of the early stories and the funny stories of the early days. What code kept us on track that whole time? But, but this code was like a, a set of noise canceling headphones over our ears and that's what worship can do and that's what prayer can do in the word of God it can put these noise canceling headphones on so all you hear is the voice of God and what he can do 
And when that happens, all the other noise doesn't really matter all that much because when God has called a thing to be, I've got a new song for you at the end of the service that's going to blow your mind. But when God calls a thing to be, God calls a thing to be. And it, nothing is impossible with God. And so that's what I want this sermon to be for you as well. Because uh, it's a blueprint exchange is what we need to do with the Holy Spirit. And we come in with all this stuff and he's like, okay, put these noise canceling headphones on. I'm going to speak. And it's funny, just a few words from the Father into your spirit is all you need. If we tried to build Venue Church on human thinking, it could only give us the illusion of the presence of Jesus. It could only give us the illusion of the wisdom and protection of heaven. But we have a code that focuses us. And, and every year I'm going to do sermons on the Venue Code because it focuses us on what Jesus is doing and it kind of ignores what the devil is doing. You know, the way to make social changes is not to give a microphone to the two-year-old child in the room. Because sometimes that's all the devil is doing. He's just creating a fuss in the living room floor and you're just like, oh. And God, your heavenly father just walks around him until he's done. I know, maybe you had a different dad than I have, but I could throw a fuss and dad would just be like. If you, <laughs> right? I don't know, that's just my dad. Um, you know what? Thanks, Sean. Hey, it's uh, Sean and Nancy's uh, anniversary. They've been together for... They've been together for 12 weeks. Do you hear that? I said 12 weeks. Now you're doing the math on their kids. Um, what's, um, <laughs> 12 years it's been. And there were times, you know what, uh, Sean's my accountability partner. They came to, to Airdrie with us and planted Venue Church. And, um, and I so appreciate uh, them. And, uh, and you know what? Sometimes, you know what, when you have close personal friends, we've been with them through marriage trouble and family troubles, but look what God has done. And uh, God can do anything. And I don't know where you're coming from today, but I believe that God can do anything in your life. Um, it is nice, however, to be past the initial church planting stage, because that was a heart attack in a can, man, I'm telling you. Every week, it was just like, get bodies to church somehow. Get them to, like, I mean, bribe them. Lie to them. <laughs> I mean, just somebody, like, this is going to be incredible. And, you know, full of technical difficulties. But we're not going to tell you that until you get here. And, um, and it was just, like, panicky. And, and how many people know that there was, like, one church team that did everything and did four and five and eight jobs on a Sunday morning? We were just busy, 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 busy. And the, in the early plant stages, before you can actually have teams and kind of specifics, everybody's just kind of having to do things that you're not good at. And... and one of the things that I'm not great at is details or like the word scheduling to me is almost like a dirty word to me because I'm less like scheduling like on paper with like names and numbers and y'all a bunch of schedulers is that Cassie uh God bless Cassie because she was doing that in the early days and she'd be like pastor I need to talk to you about scheduling and I'd just be like Yes, and uh, then it would be like a, you know, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, like, bloop. Oh, look. It's the prime minister. I got to take this. I'll, <laughs> I promise, though. I broke so many promises to her, and she's the only one that I broke promises to in those early days. I'm like, I'll be right back. I didn't want to come back. And so I would just find something else to talk about. It's just something that stressed me out. In the early days, man, like, I would do all that I do now, but now I get to actually focus more on my time because our teams are so great. I got to focus on the sermon, and I get to focus on leading and pastoring and developing teams and it's great but in those early days like i would have on my phone uh on 
Like Monday morning, I would have 65 extra reminders come up for the week of things to do. On top of everything that I do now, I have 65 reminders of different jobs, like make sure that the radio station gets that ad and make sure that, that this happens and make sure that that happens. And you know, I mean, just that whole like, all these extra jobs on top of extra jobs on top of extra jobs. And, um, but nowadays, it's sort of nice that we're out of that panic stage. We're out of that stage. You know, our next stage is a crucial one about what we're going to do and, and maybe get into a church building at some point. I don't know what God is going to provide for us. Although this flexibility in this building is uh, terrific for us, and we really appreciate them. So, um, But our venue code is what needs to keep us focused on why we're here. And if you don't know why we're here, then, then sooner or later what will happen is... Um, is uh, something else will creep in and you'll start thinking that church is all about you. Right. And so if you start thinking that the, your church does more for you than it, uh, that you do more for your church than your church does for you, you're starting to get into this weird little place and you start thinking like you do more for your marriage than it does for you. Yeah. Um, it, you know, you do more for God than God does for you. It starts to get into this creepy little selfish Canadian place. And so what we want to do is just keep this focused and the vision white hot so that you know where we're going. Um, here's the underlying assumption of the venue code uh, message that I started preaching last week of the first five of the venue codes. We want to make churches that make an unengaged society feel something about God again. So our Canadian society has been like, hey, thank you, God, for all this stuff, but we don't need you anymore. In fact, we're not even going to think about you until we're in trouble. We want to make you feel something. We think that you make decisions right here. I don't think, I think that you think that you make decisions with your brain, but I don't think that that's true. No offense. Like, I mean, like, yeah, you know, I want to, I want to have kids. You don't make that here because you don't know about diapers. Right. Or do you, right? Like nobody has kids and they're like, oh my goodness, we got to think this through, you know, like, but it's too late. No, you have these decisions here. You, you decide who you marry here. You decide to, to come to church here. There's something inside of you that's, that's drawing you. And now we try to catch you with the logic of the scriptures, but we want you to feel something, love or hate Jesus, but do something, yeah. feel something. Yeah. If you don't do anything, then you can't repent of anything. I don't, don't, Jason here is going to take that out and be like, pastor said to do a bunch of stuff. No, no, no. Feel something. <laughs> no, Jason. No. Mom said no. We've got this thing in our house right now that's like, mom says no. Because Katie like twists her hair around. And then the girl started saying, mom says no. Mom says no. And so now that's what we say when Erin starts putting her hair in her mouth when she's like working and being all crazy. We're like, mom says no. Anyways, it's fine. Mom says no, Jason. It's this idea of like, feel something about God. Love Jesus, hate Jesus, feel something so that he can start working in your life. But don't feel nothing. You know, don't feel nothing. Yeah. Um, in fact, Melissa said one time, in our, she's in our small group, she's like, man, I used to like leave church sometimes. I'd be so angry at you for the sermon. But it's like good, right? It's like eating carrots. Carrots taste terrible, but they're good for you. It's true that they taste terrible. Oh, yuck. I don't like carrots. All right, whatever. Here, I'm going to move through the venue code. This is what we tackled last week. The first one is the most important one. A life saved is worth everything. Every drop of blood, every cent that I'll ever make, every minute of every day for the rest of my life to give you an opportunity to follow Christ, to love Jesus, to be adopted into the family of God, man. Your life is worth everything to us because my life was worth everything to Christ and the servants must look like the master. Um, number two, we believe in Jesus as he is, not as we'd like him to be. So listen, some places might allow you to make a Franken-Jesus. We don't want that. We want Jesus, Jesus. That's what we want. Because as soon as you start mixing him with you and what your grandma thought and all this, no, Jesus knows who he is and he's been very clear about it. Let's follow Jesus as he is, not as we'd like him to be. If you start shifting Jesus into be like, oh, well, no, he's probably okay with this. And he's probably, he's already told you what he's okay with and what he's not. Keep Jesus pure because that's who has the power to save you. And that's where the target needs to be. All right. Number three, Jesus saves people. Everything we do revolves around this. 
Every program that we do is like, Jesus saves people, man. If it, if, if it doesn't have to do with that, we're not trying to make somebody happy. We're just trying to get Jesus in the, to the lives of people. Number four, we keep it simple. Pastor's a simple person. <laughs> Are you allowed to laugh there? I don't know. That was my own kid laughing there. I... Um, we keep it simple. We don't apologize for not doing everything. We're not trying to do 100 things in this church. We're just trying to do about three of them really well. So we're not trying to be a something to everyone. We're trying to be everything to someone. And that's a very different sort of focus and mindset. Look, there are other great churches in our community that are knocking things out of the park that we won't even do because they're already doing it. And God bless them because they're going to reach people that we won't reach. But this is what we do. This is who we are. And this is what we need to be comfortable with in, in that regard. Number five, we have candid conversations. Awkwardly so sometimes. <laughs> but hey, we're family. Yeah. And as soon as you're just like, oh yeah, no, I'd rather hear the truth than not hear the truth. Okay, it's just good. I would rather hear it. I would rather speak it. It just creates a much shorter path. And you know what? Everybody feels better about themselves after too. That's yeah. just kind of healthy family stuff there. All right, number six. Here's where we go today. We take risks. We take risks risks. If you are a safe person, you're going to have a little mountain to climb here because we're not, we're not trying to be safe. We're not trying to create a safe place for Christian kids to grow up. It's safe. Yeah. But what we're not trying to do is keep all the bad things out and like all the bad things out of church. No sinners. Welcome to church. Absolutely. Devil look out. Cause here we come, but we're not trying to No, I, I want to, to equip your kids to go out and to live in this world and be in the world, but not of the world. I want to equip them to go to war for their, but I'm going to equip them also to keep them from getting shot in the face. And so we take risks. That's a different kind of a conversation in church. Um, here's another thing. Everyone else can form a committee and begin a long, drawn-out process to do something. But by the time the committee has... <laughs> committee, I don't even like that word, committee. We form teams. By the time a committee has met and talked about something, we have done it four times in a team, and we know if it works or not. We're action-oriented. We take risks. We're, we're, we're quick to get out there and to try things. That's just who we are. Um, we pray. God speaks. We move. Then we take all our energy trying to figure out how to do what God said to do. And that's just a powerful thing. And we sort of get addicted to that sort of momentum and the results that God gives. Obedience is up to us. The results are up to God. Um, if no one wants to go first into something in our city, we will. That's just how God made us. We're not proud about that because we get a lot of scars. We get shot at sometimes. But hey, we like it. We like a good fight. Bring it, because the, the, city, the souls of our city are, are worth it to us. If, if somebody else doesn't want to deal with that kind of a sinner, welcome to Venue Church. Come here. You know, Christians are horribly intolerant of sinners who aren't sinners like they are. Right? It's like, oh, well, that person struggles, probably struggles with that sin. Can you believe they go to Venue Church? Yes, good. Hallelujah. That's what we're looking for. That's welcome to Venue Church, you know. Let's get this like... Like, so what kind of a sinner is allowed to go to church? You know, am I allowed to go to church? Is Chad allowed to go to church? Like, who's allowed to go to church? Hey, Jesus loves people. We want them all here. We'll figure it out. We'll help rehabilitate. We'll, we'll do whatever we need to do. We're not going to let everybody teach in kids' ministry. <laughs> the Pope himself couldn't get in there without being vetted by our children's pastor. But welcome to church. Jesus loves you. <laughs> um, we're not afraid to fail. We think if we're not failing enough, we're not trying enough. And listen, sons and daughters of God, like, don't be afraid to fail. Let's go out and try things for, to reach the world for the, with the love of Jesus. I mean, God will speak his worth into us. It has nothing to do with failure anyways. You can't, you know what I mean? Like, have some guts. Let's, let's go and try some things and reach people with the love of Jesus. What's the worst thing that can happen to you if you follow Jesus? You die and go to heaven first? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Take a risk, man. Let's do something with our lives. Um, let's do something with our church too. First Samuel chapter 14, Jonathan, the prince of Israel says to his armor bearer, 
come, come on now, let's go across to these uncircumcised pagans. Uh, he's like, look, these, these Philistines have been messing up our people for long enough. Sometimes you got to get fed up with what the devil is doing and be like, devil, you've been messing my family up long enough. You've been messing my neighbors up long enough. He says, maybe God will work for us. Like, maybe, I don't know. I'm not God. He's like, why don't you and I go over there? He takes on a whole troop. He says, there's no rule that says God can only deliver by using a big army. He's like, I haven't read it anywhere. I haven't heard it anywhere. Let's just try it out. No one can stop God from saving when he sets his mind to it. God can save our country. He can, he can do anything when he sets his mind to it. His armor bearer said, and here's our spirit at Venue Church. Go ahead. Do what you think is best. I am with you all the way. Like, go do this thing. Let's see what happens. What you didn't know was that his armor bearer didn't even have a sword. Because there were two swords in the entire camp of Israel. Saul had one, who was Jonathan's father. And he was sitting under a tree somewhere, not going to work, because he was scared. Some of all y'all Christians have been going to church for way too long and not swinging a sword. We'll put it to some good use. Jonathan has a sword, so he's like, okay. Um, and his armor bearer is like, go and do all this thing. But the armor doesn't even have any sword. He's just carrying his stuff. Watch this, watch this. Jonathan shouted to his armor bearer, up, oh, follow me. God has turned them over to Israel. Jonathan scrambled up on all fours. He's scrambling up at the face of a rock to go and fight a bunch of Philistines, an entire troop on his hands and knees. And then his armor bearer is right on his heels. When the Philistines came running up to them, he knocked them flat. His armor bearer right behind, finishing them off, bashing their heads in with stones. I'm sorry, ladies. It's in the Bible. Listen, venue church will always be ghetto, man. We will, if we can do it with duct tape, we'll figure out a way. We don't need all the best equipment. We don't need all the best. We don't need the most talented or good looking people. We'll figure out a way. We're kind of ghetto that way. We just, we just, we'll, we'll get it done. We'll, we'll figure out a way. We'll take risks. Number seven, our church is specifically designed around our vision. It might not be for everyone. We're okay with that. What? Is that like, it's a typical Canadian church thing. No, it's not. We need to let you know that we're not trying to be everything to everybody. We're not trying to like, early on, before we even started this church, I had to decide as a pastor, okay, what's more important to me? What's more important to me? The people I'm trying to keep happy? Or the people we're trying to reach? Here's the thing. You'll never be happy if you're not reaching people. So, so am I going to try to keep church people happy forever? That's a pretty difficult job. Have you ever met some of you? are kind of difficult. Um, no, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. It can't be about church people preferences. Look, you know, on a Sunday morning worship experience, yeah, we're not going to sing your favorite songs every week because you have some favorite songs and you do. Why don't you sing your favorite songs at home? <laughs> like all week if you want to, and then come here and maybe we'll sing them and maybe we won't. But, but our Sunday morning service is not just about you and you're getting your worship on. That's great, but we're here to serve. We're here to serve the city as well. And we're also here to do something like that matters, you know, with a topic and a theme and like we're actually trying to get the word of God in, into you. So here's my attitude. You know, after you've been coming to church for like a month, or two, like you need to like get into small groups and go through NXT and get involved and start giving and start being, in, I mean, you're never going to be happy until you do. But, but here's the other thing I would say to you as your pastor, you know, somebody has been going to church for like six months or a year. And they're like, man, I feel so dry during the week. And I just like, oh, pastor, can you come and spend more time with me? And I'm like, why don't you spend time reading the Bible and feed yourself? You could like pray and listen to worship music. You know, do you want me to be like mama bird every week and just, just show up in your, 
on your screen every morning and be, eat some solid food, let's go. I mean, this is about like, come on, develop yourself, let's go, let's grow up. <laughs> it's weird, man, I don't want 15 year old kids like, <laughs> so gross. That's not, God wants us to grow up and start feeding ourselves, that's important, why? Because there's more people that we need to reach. Don't fall for the trap of choosing a church that makes you feel comfortable. Growth is not comfortable. War is not comfortable, but we can keep you from getting shot in the face. We got to do some push-ups. It's, it's going to feel good. All right. Um, as Christ followers, we're here to serve, not to be served. And once again, you'll never do more for your church than it does for you. You'll never be able to do more for God than he does for you. Just get into your heart and into your mind, God. This is all about you and what you can do. Uh, it's a matter of perspective. You know, I, I had my phone blown up by a, 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 somebody who was actually just about on the core team in the very beginning who sent me like 47 texts. It's never good. Look, if you send me 47 texts, I don't read them. <laughs> I have a real short attention span. Like I just, if you send me a book, I'm... <laughs> Normally it's because you're mad about something. Yep. That's why nobody has my cell phone. No, no, it's this thing. He, he was mad about something in our culture that, that, that and I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings, but he was mad about something in our culture that, that we do really try to keep the kids' spaces and the, the adult spaces differently in that sense because we're trying to reach people in different areas. We put on a whole beautiful kids' church over there for kids, and they don't want to be in here with you because you're not cool, mom and dad. I hate to break it to you. We don't want you in the kids' space because they, they need to worship and develop their own relationship with Jesus, too. But also, moms, you need that here, you know. And we just have venue moms be like, oh, sweetheart, you don't want your kids in here. Like, you need to get your worship on so you don't kill them during the week, you know. It's just, just a different spirit. But, but we always have to keep in mind that that lost soul is, is going to be sitting in here. And they might, look, you've been praying for somebody for 20 years or your grandma has. And, and they come in and we've got 10 minutes. And the Holy Spirit is like, this is it. This is their opportunity to follow. This is it. This is it. And, and then... You know, and then, and then Chad puts his screaming teenager right beside him. <laughs> or you know what I mean? Like, it's just one of those things, like, respect thing of, like, okay, we cannot lose track of what we're here for. This is not about our convenience, my convenience, what I want to do. No, no, no. This is about that person who just needs the love of Jesus, and they've got one opportunity, or we're not going to see them in heaven. Okay, so, so it becomes important, and, and, and uh, the details do matter to us. It's a matter of perspective, because someday that could be my child. What would I do? What would I do? How would I set up a church service if it was my child one day and they got one and they come back to Christ and we got 10 minutes? Oh, then it matters. You know, we have to see them like they belong to us. We have to see them like it's not us and them. It's all us. This is our family and it matters. All right. Number eight, we love and honor people. We love and honor people enough to tell them the truth and help them to walk in it. Um, but the worst thing in Canadian culture that you can be accused of is not being nice. Am I right? Like, Oh, that wasn't nice. I, I, hear, I hear little kids say this nowadays. Like, we weren't allowed to have opinions when I was a kid. But um, we, we hear this like, I didn't appreciate the way that the teacher said that to me. <laughs> I'm like, you're seven. You get, to, you get to appreciate how teachers are? Like, I didn't have, like, dad's like, you appreciate how teachers are. You appreciated the way she said that. Yeah, well, she, you appreciate it. Yes, sir, I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we love and honor people enough to tell them the truth. Look, Jesus didn't come to be nice. He came to hang on a cross and save you from your sins. That wasn't nice. What you did to him was not nice. But what he did to you was extremely kind. But sooner or later, you have to bump into the truth because it's the truth that sets you free. Jesus was full of grace and truth, not just grace, because grace 
too much grace and everybody goes to hell in the end because, but there's a payment for sin, which Jesus paid. He wants to deposit that in your account. That takes a conversation that requires truth. Now in a family, there are truthful conversations that we have with each other. We love and honor people enough to do that at Venue Church. Um, now, no one who confronts the broken pieces of, of my life will be initially perceived as nice. So Sean's my accountability partner. And there's just sometimes he's like, tell me about it. And I'm like, I won't tell you about it. You know, it's not, do I think that he's nice in those moments? No, but I look back on those moments and I'm like, thank God for those moments because we have a marriage, you know, we have a family, we have a church because of my accountability partner, just being loving me enough and honoring me enough to tell me the truth and, uh, and to expect the truth as well. And so, um, we also love and honor you enough to challenge you to get involved and, and love and honor the next one because that's the main, main point of your life, you know? And so listen, life is a mess and we'll walk right into it. And, 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 I mean, believe me, like our family's been a mess, but you know, we want to help you raise your kids and we want to help you get them like on fire for Jesus. And, and I want them more on fire. I want your kids to rise up and do more than you ever could think of doing in your lifetime. That's really my goal is that my kids so far surpassed me. But to do that, we just have to have those kind of conversations and give them places to grow. And it's just very important to us. Um, we, do, we do life together. Uh, we're, we're a church number nine. This is number nine. We're a church, uh, not a church that does small groups. We're a church of small groups. As the church gets bigger, it gets smaller. And, and here's, here's a human need that you have. You want somebody to know your name and to know when you're not there. And you also want to know their name, I hope, and to know when they're not there. And so uh, a church, you know, even with, we have four kids. Some of you might have more kids than that. It's hard to spend enough time with all of your kids, even when there's like less than a dozen. But for pastors, you know, in the typical sense of like, if we're supposed to be doing all of the care, uh, you know, once you get to a church of like 80 people or 100 people, and we're like multiples more than that, you know, like we can't give you care the way that God wants to give you care. We just can't physically do that because we would get off track with our lives as well. We wouldn't have the time for our own kids. I wouldn't be able to like lead and preach and, and you wouldn't get cared for. We do that in small groups. So somebody knows your name. Somebody's like, hey, that's where we pray for you to get healed. That's where we help you through addictions. That's where we celebrate with your life. That's where we, man, you have a baby. It will come, it will, your small group will like make you meals sometimes. I mean, that's where the care happens, where you really get pastored and cared for. That's very important to us that you get in a small group. Um, yeah, number 10. This is, this is the edgiest one, maybe. Number 10, real boats rock. We are not a cruise ship. Now that comes from a quote in a book that says, show me a completely smooth operation and I'll show you someone who's covering mistakes, real boats rock. Meaning we don't care that life is messy. We'll walk right into the middle of the mess with you. We'll help you out. We'll do anything that we have to, to, to help you if we can. Uh, we're not going to enable you, but we're going to help you. Real boats rock. When you're going somewhere and you're going through a storm, Real boats rock. We don't mind it. We don't mind if you make mistakes. We're going to love you through it. Um, but we're going to also help you through it. So, so um, look, committees and stewards are for cruise ships. But what I'm not going to do on Sunday morning is just come around with a little towel for Chad's face, a nice little warm towel, and just be like, hi, sir, are you comfortable? Are you, you know, in his Christian walk and his Christian life, you know, can I warm your drink up for you, sir? You know, can I hand you communion? I don't know. I just made up the communion thing, you know. The difference in, in stewards, that's what happens on a cruise ship. Well, we're not trying to, you know, I don't think they were called to be a cruise ship, not this church anyways. And so his personal comfort, like how, is everything according to how you like it? Well, no, it's more of a battleship. And when you think of any church, think of it like a battleship. And so it's like, hey, we're here for the rescue of souls. 
And so personal comfort is not that important to us just because it's like sooner or later, God's going to ask for me to give my jacket to somebody who needs it more. And so we're pulling somebody in out of the water. It's like, here, no, why don't you take my, why don't I bless you a little bit financially? Why don't we, why don't we help? Why don't we, why don't we take your kids so that you guys can go to a marriage retreat because you really need it? You know, why don't we actually live life with each other and love each other? We're, we're pulling people out of, of the water. Sooner or later, real boats rock though. Sooner or later, somebody's going to hand you an oar and be like, hey, why don't you start paddling? That's where we're going. That person over there, your neighbor over there, that's where we're going. So why don't you start paddling? Hey, why don't you uh, put some gas in the tank? Well, what do you mean? The church wants my money. No, no, you need to give your money. God doesn't need your money. But here's the thing. Like, I look at my family. Real boats rock. Like, if I'm not providing food and paying for the food, I, I can sit there and be like, oh, my kids are always eating my food. <laughs> it would be sort of an odd thing. Like, yeah, I get, I get to go to work and provide food for my kids. That's normal. And that shows that I love. And if I won't, then maybe I don't love as much as I, I say that I do, but real boats rock. And, and that's just how we think about that. We're on a rescue mis mission. We have this idea. It's like, if you see something, fix something. Don't come and tell pastor about it. Like, hey, pastor, there's a Kleenex on the ground over there. I'll be like, okay, Amber. It's a Kleenex. Why don't you go, hey, Amber, you know what? I'll bet you could use those fingers for picking Kleenex up. Why don't you go do that? Hey, I'll pick up Kleenex. I have no problem. Like, I'll clean the, the, the washroom where I, where I kind of share it with some of the venue kids uh, in that a wing over there. And look, I'll clean it up. Like, I don't want kids, I don't want your kids walking into a dirty space, but listen, it's your church. So pick up the Kleenex, permission granted. If something's not working, fix it, you know, plug a cable in. I mean, you know, it's your church, permission granted. Um, Ephesians chapter six, Paul says this, because what, what I'm going to do next is I'm going to show you how, if you want to get on the worship team, I'm going to show you something we call iPods that are very practical. Here's what you do next, okay? And you're going to love it because some of it's kind of funny. Um, Ephesians 6, Paul says this as I end that part of the sermon. A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor. Come on, we're a battleship. We're not a cruise ship. So you will be able to resist the enemy in time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. And I pray to heaven that you will be standing there with your neighbors and your family in that final day. All right. Now we're going to get really practical. Yay, really practical. We got any practical people in the house? Um, this is how you join like a worship team. Now we have different standards for different teams because different, you know, but this is the stage team. So this is like a lead team up here. And if you set foot on the stage, you need to know as your pastor, I want to protect you, but I, I want you people on the stage here. You can only reproduce who you are. And so that's why the bar is lifted up pretty high. I want the best for you. Even my own daughters, it's the same for them. It's the same for me. Nobody's above what we require on the stage here. And I just want to show you like, you can greet in the parking lot. There's not a whole lot of things that we need, you know, from you before that. We want you involved. We have lots of space for you to get involved so that you can take it at, at your speed. But this is just, I'm going to go through the, the, the iPods, and I'll explain that in a second. But here's what you need to do to join the worship team. Um, I'm not even going to go through all of that. Yes, I will. You have to go through NXT, which is like your next steps here. Obviously, you have to do that. You have to have regular small group attendance in every single term. If you're not in small groups and you're not doing life with people, don't lead people because that's what we want, you know. Um, 
You have to serve on another dream team here. You've got to be coming to church for three months. You've got to serve on another dream team for a minimum of three months. Here's another thing that's very important to us, that your tithe or your 10% comes into the storehouse, comes into the house of God. God commands it. He's like, you know, it's, it would be like me saying to my daughter, like, hey, if you give me 10%, I'll invest it for you. You're 90%. I will also, by magic, make it go further, and I will make sure that you marry the right person, and I'll... Because God can. And that's why he's like, but I need some investment. And that's called faith. And so if you're up on the stage, you know, the Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Right. So somebody's like, well, if I sing, that's my gift. I should be on stage. I'm like, if your heart's not here, I don't want you on stage. So I want your heart to be in here. If, if I'm a dad that doesn't provide for my own, my heart's not in it. So my kids aren't going to listen to me, you know, and so, and rightly so. Like, but it's just, just this idea of like, no, we're family. And, and we, you know, you're singing into a mic. Hopefully you've paid for a bit of it. So that everybody coming here doesn't pay for you to breathe the warmed air or the cooled air that we have to you know, pay for. It's just, come on, it's just family stuff. Like, is this shocking? It should be shocking. All right. Pay for your kid's ice time, dang it. I had somebody one time, they're all mad because they weren't on the decision-making team of church. And I'm like, but you've never given a single cent since the entire time you've been here. Because I checked. And you want to make all the decisions? The money decisions? It's like not paying for your kid's ice time and then expecting everybody else to pay for it. And then you also be in charge of everything and the money. Like an unchurched person would be like, that seems really strange. But church people are kind of strange. All right, here we go. Um, and you also have to do an audition with the worship coordinator. Although Candace, I must say, for the first time did pretty well on stage. But where's Candace? Yeah, there she is. Did she, she sang great this morning. But the funny thing is we didn't know if she could sing. Because like Paul told me like she can sing really great. But like Paul, have you met Paul? I'm like... What if Paul doesn't know what singing sounds like? And Candace is like, oh, no, no, no. And Paul's like, yeah, great, right? Because <laughs> Paul might be totally, t I don't know. Anyway, so she did finally send a video, and it turns out she can sing, and it all worked out. I don't know how that's through the cracks, but that's supposed to be what we do, and it is what we do. All right, um, here's our main goal in the worship team. We represent the heart of the pastor's vision for the house in leading people to worship, meaning we take our lead and direction from the overall vision. So the worship team is not doing its own little thing. When the worship leader and the pastor get out of sync with each other, something weird happens. Yeah. We don't have that here. That's called division. We don't do that. Um, so in the, and the part of the job of the worship team is to ease the preaching of the word of God because we need to hear from God. We need to make it as easy for people to hear from the word of God as we can. That's very important. Here's the thing. The stage is a privilege we must be worthy of. It is a privilege. If you don't like it, then don't stand on it. If you don't want to keep your word, then don't. That's fine, but it is a privilege. I want you to know that people standing on the stage, it's a privilege to them. It needs to be a privilege to serve you in this way. Is this good and practical? Sometimes, you know, you can go to some churches and you never hear, like, who gets to do what to who and how do I actually get on that team? And I'm just going to tell you because that's what I would do. All right. Um, so we break down all the teams into what we call iPods, and every iPod for every team is very different. The kids' ministry looks different than the worship, but, but they are iPods. Imperatives, preferences, optionals, don'ts. Imperatives, preferences, optionals, don'ts. So here's an imperative for being on stage, being on the worship team, biblical morality. Do you really need to write that? Yes, we do. And we've had to remove some people. And then sometimes they come back later when their lives get a little straightened out. It's important to us. Like, I want people of character on stage, as far as we know. Um, tithing and generosity. Um, we want your heart here among us. We want you to keep your word. Like, look, if you sign up for this thing, I want you to keep your word. If my daughter signed up for something, I would, like, be, keep your word. You know, that's important to me. All right. Um, 
committed regular small group, attendance at First Wednesday. That's very important for the worship team as well. First Wednesday is like a Holy Ghost night on the first Wednesday of the month. We're not doing one next week. I'm sorry, it's summer. But we are going to do it in September, and it's like, oh, it'll rock your world. It's incredible. But the worship team needs to be there because it's about worship. We want you to have a positive attitude and a servant's heart. We want outward joy. If you're an inward worshiper, like this is you, like, enraptured in the love of God, I am thrilled to be worshiping in the house of God. You'll do it from down there. We want joy on your face up here, man. People are coming in broken and hurting, man. They don't need to see you moping around up here and just spending the whole worship service. I had a worship leader in my dad's uh, church, like, way back in the day when I was a kid who spent, like, literally half the worship time crying. And I'm like, that's a downer. We need the joy of the Lord. We need to let you know that Jesus can do anything in your life. And that's just how we're going to do it from here. Look, we want to be real, but we don't want to be like that real all the time. Um, we, we believe in what God can do. We're building a platform for God, not for us. Um, some other things, uh, practice, set up your own instrument, uh, attendance at full Saturday practice. Look, set up the stage, plug in the mics, plug in all the stuff, tune your own instrument. You are not Jesus in the flesh. We're not helicoptering you in to sing a solo for us. We don't care about that. You're here to serve. And when you're here to serve, then you appreciate it. And then we're just vessels for the Holy Spirit. That's how he's the star. We don't do anything else. We're just like anything that we can get you, Lord, anything that we can help people. Great. All right. Um, here's some preferences. We prefer like Hillsong and Elevation music to some of, of like, say, Bethel music. Well, that's very specific. Ironically, we're teaching you a Bethel song next, which is hilarious. We do some of it, but what I don't really love on a Sunday morning service, we only have 60 minutes together. What I don't want is you to do this, like, navel-gazing, like, does that, is that what you guys do sometimes? Like, if you want to have a really intimate time of worship for three hours, we don't have time on Sunday morning, so do that at home. But what we don't want you to do is get your worship focused on yourself. And Sunday morning, it's not, it's not about focusing your life on you. It's about focusing on Jesus. And so we want the worship to be, you know, this is how we do a worship set. It's kind of, we come into church and we see each other and we're like, it's so great to, isn't God great? And we're kind of looking sideways and we're looking up and like, God, you're amazing. Awesome. Hey, I'm so glad you're here. I'm looking at your life and I'm like, what God has done in your life is fascinating to me and I love it and I'm with you. And we're worshiping God together and then before I get up to preach, we've, we've sing, sung a song that's like straight up worship, like, oh Jesus, you are wonderful. How can you love somebody like me? You are good. And then by the time we're done, we're back out to this like, okay, now look out devil, because here we come. You know, it's like the anthem of God, like God is great and we're, you know, we're going to go out and we're going to take this city by storm. Um, here's another funny... I'm not going to get into it. Here we go. I got to keep moving. Um, optionals. Mix of equipment is optional. So if, if you want to play a garbage electric guitar, where is he? If you want to play a piece of garbage that says Gibson on it, no offense, it has nothing to do with you, a Les Paul, and you don't want to play a Paul Reed Smith like the angels in heaven play, then that's fine. No, it's, a, it's equipment. It's optional. Colors of clothing, optional. Brands of clothing, optional. Um, Here's some don'ts that we have. Now, there are reasons why. You'll find this funny, and then I'm just going to close the sermon. Here's some don'ts. Shirts must not come up when your hands are lifted. Guys, we're not in the 80s, and we're not wearing belly shirts. It's gross. Why do you have rules like this, Pastor? There's reasons why. Don'ts. Clothing brands or styles that provide distraction on stage or do not represent Christ well. The only trouble we've had was when I wore a Tupac shirt one time, but I didn't know that that was Tupac. It just glowed in the dark and looked really cool. And then somebody's like, you're wearing a Tupac shirt. And I'm like, 
but I'm the pastor. I can do anything. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, I'm glad that I know now. Now I just wear it around my house. All right. Um, no open-toed shoes for males on stage. Gentlemen, your toes do not reflect the love of Jesus. So girls, man, fine. They probably perfume their toes and paint them all up. That's great. Guys' toes, keep them, keep them covered. Uh, no bare feet. My wife's like, I'm a hippie. I would worship with bare feet because I feel more connected to Jesus. And I'm like, nobody's going to connect with Jesus looking at those feet. I love you, baby. I love your feet because they're perfect because they're you, but they're nasty. And so, listen, it's just one of why, why would you have these rules? There's reasons why. All right. Um, here's like no shorts for guys. We just, you know, I don't know. It just seems like the thing that we need to do. No skirts above the knee without leggings underneath for girls. These are the girls wrote these ones in here. No leggings without a long shirt or dress to cover. That makes sense. Here's one. No flesh colored leggings. No flesh colored. Why? There's a reason why. Look, this is only to white folk. All right. Um, if you're brown or black, like you can wear flesh colored leggings, but we don't want for white folk. We don't want everybody down there wondering if where you're wearing pants. So, so, so I'm just saying, it's just kind of funny, but like, yeah, we don't want people wondering, is that person wearing pants? Oh my goodness. How do you worship if you're wondering if the worship team is wearing pants? That's not good. Okay. So, um, things like, uh, no open uh, liquids or food on stage. Here's some of our don'ts. Now it's very practical so that you know what to do next in your walk with Christ or know what to do next in serving of people. Is that good? All right. That's all that I have. Um, listen, proximity creates community and community creates ownership. And until you start seeing this like your church, you're never going to be able to grow. And God's never going to be able to make all the promises that he made for you to come true because you have to own your local church. And that's what I want for you. I want you to take this on. This is not the church anymore. It's not the pastor. It's my church. It's my pastor. This is where God called me to be and my family to be. This is where I'm going to make an impact in our city. This is where I'm going to make an impact and grow in my faith. And so... Um, so what I want to say is we're going to teach you a song. Now we're going to mobilize, and in this song, we're going to sing it over our city, and we're going to sing it over Calgary, and we're going to sing it over your life, and we're going to sing it over the people around us. And it's a powerful song. Also, it's a Bethel song, which is super ironic, but it's focused in a way that works for us on Sunday morning. Are you ready? It's called God of Revival. <laughs> 